This issue of Geek in the City Radio is brought to you by our sponsor, Wandering Monster. Uh, Wandering Monster is your all-in-one remote uh, D&D gaming service. So Greg Barrett runs Wandering Monster, and you can basically sign up for a private game with a group of your friends, or you can join one of the public games that are currently running. He's got a various selection, and it doesn't really matter whether you are brand new to D&D, or, you know, you've been playing it or running it for years and years and years. Uh, Greg is a wealth of D&D knowledge, and you'll see it when he runs his games, uh, like I saw it just a few nights ago, because I've got a big campaign that I'm kicking back off, and it has a rather large amount of players, which I've never dealt with before. So I was just bouncing some ideas off of Greg, and he gave me some great ideas to make a large gaming group more manageable, and that's just... That was just something simple that he just kind of helped out with there. But that just goes to show uh, his his knowledge of being of not only just D&D, but of being a DM and running different groups because he's run groups for he's run groups for for kids, for adults, for teenagers. So he can run, you know, the gamut of, of playing styles that might be required. So check it out. Wandering-monster.com and join a public group or create your own private game session or uh, look at one of his DM building um, uh, workshops that are happening right now. Either way, when you do it, thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. It's been a long, long week. Why don't you spend some time with geeks? So many issues a day into which we must delve. Stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert. We're going more back to 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the day. Why, hello! And welcome to issue 614 of Geek in a City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Spinarita. And I am your other other host, Cable Hashitani. What's shaking, everybody? We are joined by a special guest. One next. Am I really that special? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Arguably most special, because I think at this point you've officially been our most special times guest. Most mm. most times guest special. Special oh, yeah. in quantity, not in quality. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take no, it. You've, I'll take it. You've hit most appearances a while ago. I was pretty sure. Yeah. You're like our Joan Emery. That's a reference that only people... Yeah, see? I think you got to be of a certain age to even get that reference. Mm. Yeah. I don't... (laughs) Cable seems non-responsive also. Oh, I'm trying to figure out why we're not... uh, I'm not seeing the live stream on my Facebook yet. uh, Same. I think it... I don't know what it is. It is going. I see it. I believe you. The, the the lady told us also. I promise it's there. Uh, it so just they, means Facebook is being unresponsive. Like, that's a surprise. Yeah, Facebook is no being one. Facebook. <laughs> we tried going to the page. I'm on the page. Uh, Aaron, is it doing the thing where it's broadcasting from your page? Nope. Then I don't know. Yeah, Doesn't no, it usually sorry. just like <laughs> pop up at the top of Sometimes the it takes a minute. Live streaming. 
Well, hi everyone. That hi. you know, presumably hi. is is in the stream. Yeah, I don't know. I'm it's sure working. It, sure it says there. it's working. People will show up. Uh, how's everybody doing? I got exhausted mid afternoon today when I realized today was only Tuesday. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lemon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, better than Monday. Right? This is true. Yeah. But it was like four o'clock this afternoon. And I went. It's only Tuesday. <laughs> the worst. Yeah. Like my brain had somehow fast forwarded all the way to Thursday. Ooh. Yeah, that would be yeah. nice. That's a big actually. Jump. That would be terrible because I have stories I have to turn in, and if it jumped to Thursday, I'd be in trouble. I would have missed a deadline. All right. Well, so then you stay on Tuesday. Cable's yeah. skipping ahead to Thursday. Right. I. I'm. I'm also partially skipping ahead to next week already too. So none of this is good. Yeah, well, I we think got you're some just cool excited stuff. about stuff next week. Yeah. It it's that and it's also as soon as I start touching calendars again and putting things on calendars, which I haven't done very very much of in the past year and a half, mm-hmm. then I start living in the future again. And you know, the the whole time is a flat circle thing becomes even more of a reality. <laughs> A lot of jobs like that where you're just kind of you're always thinking about next week, two weeks, a month, and so you're never really here and now mm-hmm. in, with your brain. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing next week? It's like Zen or something, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Oh, heck yeah! Um, so I wanted to tease a little bit. Um, next week we are going to be talking with Gwen and Brian, or Gwen or Brian. Um, from the H.P. Lovecraft Film Fest, which is next weekend, the first, second, and third at the Hollywood Theater. Um, it's a grand return. It's going to be fantastic. Um, so if for our live listeners, um, if you want to head over to the H.P. Lovecraft Film Fest page, you can also go over to their Kickstarter where you can get VIP tickets, but only for the next 25 hours. So... They're in the last Ooh. last day of their Kickstarter, so head on over there. Um, and then the week after that, we're going to have Tom and Ed from Hour to Midnight Escape Room Games. Um, they're going to come on and talk about their new escape room, which we get to playtest this weekend. Yeah. And it's nice. called the, the Pharaoh's Relic. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's exciting. We haven't, that. uh, we haven't worked with them in three years? 2017. Oof. Oof. That's like or something. Yeah. It feels like 2017 was three years ago. Uh, Right. uh, Do you know what year the HP Lovecraft Film Festival is on right now? Um. uh, Twenty plus. I'm pretty sure. I think twenty sixth. Twenty sixth. This is the twenty sixth annual. Yep. Oh, missed last year, but yeah. Right. Yeah, they. I, I think they did um, a live streaming event, so that mm. they could still have some sort of annual film fest. But this is their first one back in person. So, and because the Hollywood Theater is part of the Portland Independent Theater chain or coalition, not chain, um, they also require vaccination records. So, if you're vaccinated yeah. and have your record, please bring it with you because you'll need that along with your ticket. And maybe you'll see us there. 
You will yeah. see us there. You will we'll see be us there. there. Well, no, we will be, be there, but people may or may not see us. You don't that's know right, what we're going right. to be doing. I'm going to have to look through some sort of Dagon costume or something in order to. Oh, I know what I'll be doing. <laughs> pick, you, pick you out. There's going to be some summoning going on. It's going to be a hoot nanny. Summoning? Yeah, who Chuck, knows? Chuck a hoot. A little yeah. bit of nanny. All right, well, right. I need to hear about it in advance because I don't want to feel underdressed when we go and I'm standing next to you. Mm. I will send you photos of what I will be wearing that weekend. Okay, super. Oh, that's true because I'll just show up in my stupid like jeans and a t-shirt and Cable will come in and like some like Victorian tuxedo and he's like, didn't you get the memo? <laughs> no! <laughs> you know, I mean, any, chance, uh... any chance for me to wear my top hat? As you should. Yeah. Does it have tentacles coming off of it? Uh, no, but that's fixable. Easy oh, you can totally fix that. That's easy to fix. Yeah, Smart. you want tentacles? I'll get tentacles. Blue in an hour. <laughs> yeah, it'll be good. I gotta think what to bring. It'll be fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we got a packed few weeks. It's kind of nice. We always get busy. We seem in to always fall? get busy this time of year. Yeah, this is kind of like our time. Yeah, I was down down here. This is our time. <laughs> I was saying to Merrick, I'm like, oh, it's like it, it happened in a day and suddenly I have a very busy October. Um, and, right. and she reminded me, she's like, you always have a busy October. You didn't have one <laughs> last year because pandemic. Right. I mean, we, we're still in the pandemic. It's just everyone is tired of the pandemic. So we're doing things anyway. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, (laughs) back to this week. Suddenly there was a lull. (laughs) Uh, It wouldn't be us if I didn't make it upward. All right. Sorry, I'm I'm doing a thing again here. Now I know why it's not... uh, Showing up online? Showing up. There is apparently a second Geek in the City radio page. What the shit, Lana? That is... You know what it is? It's the fucking... It's the Instagram one that Facebook created automatically. Oh, so we're broadcasting on Instagram. No, we're broadcasting on Instagram's version of our Facebook page. It's really dumb. So I have they're, just shared it to apparently they're the connected, and yet they can't do it right. Yeah. Uh, do we need to start over then? No. Nah. Okay. Nope. Okay. People are just going to get the, for those just joining us, except now I've realized that I have given the wrong, oh my God, I hate everything right now. It's fine. No, it's fine. We're all fine here. You want me to? Do you want make me? Do you want to make me the host? I'm already set up for the correct page. No, it's going. It's okay. it's on there now. Okay. Yep. Yep. It's there. Cool, cool, cool. People just cool. missed our opening talk, but they will get it on the podcast. Uh, Nat, how's it going, man? <laughs> You're muted. Ah, everything is chaos. Hopefully, my internet's better over here. I had to relocate to. Six feet away from the Wi-Fi box, the twelve feet away over there was uh, not good, according to the Wi-Fi <laughs> gods. Uh, it's good, yeah. I actually, speaking of the day, I went to downtown library. Uh, is it mirrored? Whatever. No, you're good. You're fine. Uh, this is a brand new book that just came out um, in 2021 called "The Nature of Middle Earth," and I'm, I'm sure that everybody's listening knows how much of a Lord of the Rings fan I am. And uh, brand new yeah, book that just came out this year. Um, I think pretty recently it was in their like new new section. And it's uh, by um, a dude named Carl Hostetter, who's like a, a Tolkien 
scholar. And um, this is a really fascinating book because, and I spent, um, I spent, I got that far into it today. Um, he basically he sent me screenshots, by the way, just in case. You oh, it's like curious. super nerd. Yeah. <laughs> he basically goes through the notes. Uh, Tolkien was a stupendous note taker and looks for uh, details about the nature of Middle Earth as opposed to the narratives of Middle Earth. So, you know, there's like um, many pages, 50 pages of um, the relationship between the maturation and aging process of elves and and, and men, humans, um, and how they differ. Um, there's like um, tables after pa- 20 or 30 pages of tables of generations, including how many uh, elves were born and approximately which, which year. Um, there's, you know, like a little section on, on the making of Lembus bread. There's um, <laughs> just like super n- notes on the elvish economy. Um on the length of dwarven beards, just shit that like um, really helps you with the world building. And for someone who's super into um, uh, Middle Earth like I am, it's like, uh, they always had these questions. Oh, wow, yeah, I was wondering, you know, uh, how the marriage rates changed between, um, you know, the seventh year of the uh, the first age and the 50th year of the first age. I went from 98 to 99% of the uh, marriage rate. So that helps um, explain why the whatever, whatever. Um, yeah, so I'll stop talking now. Uh, no, that fine. is some deep, <laughs> deep nerdery. <laughs> yeah. Reminds me of a book that I had as a kid. Uh, was it called The Physics of Star Trek? Do you guys remember? Did you ever see that book? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yep. kind of like trying to use um, our physics to explain um, stuff that happens. I love the book, of course. But, yeah, um, no, I yeah, I had that. I think I had multiple copies of that book, actually. Surprising yeah. no one. Did you have the one in Klingon? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> That's a yeah. Oh, man. Well, neither of them just like, you know, talking about Tolkien... I think it looks like you're tasting a, a tasty beverage right now. Oh, I certainly am. And I think I, I got coordinated enough to send you guys some tasty beverages. I, I guess probably other than the fact that I just loved hanging out with you guys. I think this is the reason for this particular um, appearance. Yeah, the I've got them right here. About staring at the three different versions. So there's, uh, yeah, three different debaches. Mm-hmm. Debache is our traditional mm-hmm. um, Mexican uh, beverage that we make. Every year we've made it since mm-hmm. 2014. And oh, uh, yeah, so the tapache is a traditional Mexican drink made out of pineapples, and we kind of recreate it, Americanize it a bit. And this year I made three different versions, which is pretty exciting. It, it re- releases this Friday. That's kind of the point of this whole thing. It releases that tapache has, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, tapache. It releases yeah. this Friday at Barrio, not the Mercado, for those of y'all in mm-hmm. Yeah, we have spent many a time at Barrio. He makes yes. one of the best micheladas in the world. Yeah, good stuff. We've got, uh, he's hired a band uh, at seven. I think the event's sort of five to eight or something like that. And then um, he's got a band coming in at seven. And there'll be some tapaches to drink and tie. Yeah. This is going to be cool. a whole event. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's some tapache yes. to go. And uh, I think he's going to make a special cocktail just for the night. And, and that's the only place you can, 
That's the only place you can buy the bottles, right? Like the only physical that's right. store. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So we sell them in our home delivery program. And then um, Chris there at Barrio, he sells them. Um, and we don't sell it. We don't let it get anywhere else out into the world. It's just too complicated of a beverage. And we've tried for years to get other people to treat it right. And nobody really does that. So, so which one should we start with here? Well, I think we should start with, um, we should work up in um, sort of how we made them, uh, complexity. So we should start with the traditional tapache, which is the bottle, the um, the 22-ounce uh, brown bomber. And so this is the first one that we made, um, that, that we've, first tapache mm. that we ever really made. Uh, mm. And this is sort of our, our closest to uh, traditional tapache. So 3.2% alcohol no apples in here right and i'm drinking it with um one of my favorite beers in portland um rosenstadt uh their hellas lager um you can drink this straight if you want it's pretty thick uh, we we didn't we make it to um to thin out with whatever right really whatever you want um it makes every beer taste better we do i do it a lot with um uh light beers you can do it with white wines you can do it with tequila you can do it with um even water this this summer i was craving something other than water so during the day i would get a big tall glass uh with like you know 12 percent 12 ounces of water and like two or three ounces of tapache on the top which at that point is basically na um right yeah. non-alcoholic because it's 3.2 and then you're watering it down the heck out of it. so, so yeah, mighty it's, by it's itself say it again it's so mighty by itself. Yeah, it's super flavor, strong. Yeah, Flavor-wise. Yeah. I'm trying to think. The only re- beer in my fridge is a buoy IPA. That would, that could, I mean, we like to say that Tapache makes everything taste better. Uh, I haven't met a beer that it doesn't um, That's a good point. Or... There's a reason it's the only beer in my fridge. It's because I bought it without noticing it was IPA. <laughs> uh, and so it's still in there. It's been in my fridge since June, probably. Yeah, good way to get it uh, taken care of for sure. Nice. I'll be right back. I'm just, yeah. I'm just uh, having it straight, uh, mainly because I don't have any more beers upstairs. Well, that's so. fine. Yeah, and I mean, it's good to it's good to drink it. Uh, I wouldn't drink too much of it straight, but I think it's really good to um, have that as the base before you move on to the other blends that we we made this year. And because we always want encourage people to to do do different blending with it, I think it's really important to understand what it tastes like by itself so that you can have a little bit of informed uh, ratios or whatever, if you're mixing it with uh, other ingredients. I also cook with tapache a lot, use it as a uh, sort of a braising liquid or um, mostly like with pork or chicken. It goes really great. It goes really well with like pork dishes. I have Mm. have definitely done braising with that before. Pineapple? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's good stuff. Super good. Kind of like the easiest crockpot dish in the world is a a pork shoulder and two bottles of tapache. I have to remember that. You know, crockpot or like yeah. Ooh, that sounds good. I may have to do that here soon. Yeah. I like never cook pork. Well, mm. it goes right with chicken too. If you're a chicken person. Um, <laughs> no, but. <laughs> No, I, chicken is like the most boring meat in the world to me, but it's also the easiest to do anything with. And since I live with a vegetarian, I yeah. don't I don't cook a lot of meat. Sometimes I will buy a 
you know, like just like a honk of chicken and cook it off kind of plain. And then I can just add it to whatever else I've already made. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, pork but, especially would be more difficult if, if you were eating, you know, by yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, coming from a Mexican family, I have anxiety about bad pork. <laughs> I think that's I, just your family that has anxiety about bad pork. Well, bad meat extends no, to every culture. No, it's a thing. It's a whole thing. When I was down in Mexico last month and... um. I had those cuts from, you know, from, from all the clamshells. Yeah. If you recall, I, I don't know, it, it became this whole conversation about how you have to be careful when you have um, wounds and stuff and eating pork, because if the pork has the parasite, then like, there's a whole, like the danger is more. See, look, Matt knows he's been down there. He knows I'm not yeah. crazy. It's not just me. Part, I mean, part of it's just any different uh, country has got different critters crawling around it. So, yeah. I, I feel like when you're in the U.S., people don't spend a lot of time worrying about what they should or shouldn't do in certain situations because there might be parasites, though. Whereas, like, I feel like it's when like, I go to Mexico, it's it's a it's a very like overt thing. Yeah, well, our FDA is very overbearing at times, which is a yeah, good thing. The USDA and stuff, but I'm just trying to think. Like, I have family in Mexico, and I've never once heard them like worry about their pork. I don't know. Well, maybe they've just been lucky and never had anyone in their family die from the pork. That is true. As far as I know, none of them have. Pork parasites took my grandparents away. (laughs) Made a dark turn there. I'm just saying, it's a real thing. (laughs) No, I believe you. That's true. You know what else is a real thing? How how much more improved this buoy is this IPA? <laughs> oh by, yeah, by with the addition of Depache. Yeah, it's not Bowie's fault. You just don't like IPAs. No, no, I don't blame Bowie at all. I blame mm-hmm. myself. Well, I mean, I do blame them for putting the IPA teeny tiny here down on the bottom of the can, so that I didn't notice I wasn't buying regular Bowie. And that is the same can, no matter what beer is same in it. They just time. change the tiny little bottom right there, and they change the color like. One I might be a think, blue, one might be red. I, I yeah. think that the regular can has uh, this little ring around it is yellow. Yep. Ooh. But that's, really I think that's the only difference. They're relying say, on non-colorblind people too. Yeah. I don't know. Like what if well. I what if I were colorblind? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad it's working out with that with that IPA. We do this event have done this event every year except this year where night of a thousand debaches where we pair debache with other beers made by other people and last year during the pandemic we didn't do it in in an in-person format but we um, collaborated with i think six or seven breweries maybe eight uh around town and and sold it as a box so you could get one bottle of um oh yeah didn't work with buoy but um you know like last year we had upright and von ebert and Rosenstadt and um, a few other people and you get it as a kit and you get a couple of bottles of Tepache and different beers so I always love experimenting with different beers no matter what they are and I was drinking Tepache with some non-alcoholic beer uh, last week super good um, so it's it's like uh, it's like salt to me for for any beverage you just sprinkle it everywhere and, always <laughs> and everything tastes better yeah it totally comes out much better that way so how long is it usually because I saw this year, like on a lot of your Instagram stories, you were kind of showing the whole process. How long does it take from like start to finish to 
to ferment out? Because you said this wild ferment, you don't really do much to it, right? That's right. Yeah, every year we make it, uh, we, we, we wild ferment. We never add any yeast to it. And um, so every year it's a little bit different. And, you know, if I was an anxious person, it would be certainly nerve wracking, but it's, it works every year. I mean, you, you know, at some point you have to stop being too nervous about it because if you've done it for, I guess this would be our seventh year doing it, eighth year, um, that you just have to say, okay, yeah, it's scary every year, but it always works out. Um, <laughs> so we just take whole pineapple. Our process is, if you look up like how to make tapachi on YouTube, that's sort of the home version and it, it, it works and we'll create alcohol, but it's not hard to create alcohol. It's hard to create something that's really delicious. So yeah. <laughs> we take, um, we do it a little bit differently than you'll find out on, on, um, on YouTube. We uh, take whole pineapples with a green spiky crown on the top that's cut off and left in the field. And so we take just the round ball skin scales and all and grind them up. And we have this huge grinder that crushes. We were doing, uh, we did, um, 5,000, almost 5,000 pounds of pineapples. We ground them all up in about, this was about 90 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. So it was super, super fast. And then we don't do anything at that point. So we have this pineapple pulp that we put in these huge bins, big giant plastic bins. And then we wait, um, and we wait about a week. And every day we, um, the pineapple pulp starts to separate out from the juices and the pulp starts to float. And a fermentation helps that too, because carbon dioxide is produced during the fermentation, which kind of lifts the organic matter up into the fermenting the column of, um, of product. So it's floating. Right. Every day we punch it down with this huge stainless steel paddle. We push the pulp back down into the liquid, which really stirs up the flavors. We give up a, a lot of flavor on the skin of the pineapples. And we want that skin contact to be in the liquid. Um, so every day we're, we're pushing this stuff down. Um, and then, so we have, ha- we actually have half of it fermenting and we, the other half, we do all that grinding and we do all that, that punching down, pushing down every day. But in the beginning, we, we dump a, a ton of ice into it and mix the ice in with it and then put it in our cooler. So it's still doing that separation of pulp and juice, but it's not fermenting at all. Um, so we have at the end of the, of the fermentation process, we're left with one giant container full of alcoholic pineapple pulp. And, and alcoholic pineapple juice and the other half the other container is is tastes very similar but there's no alcohol in it at all because it's had all that steam contact right and that's that that and that's really unusual that that split between um um fruit flies like my um that's really atta- unusually different they're already attacking me down here also they're heavy yeah heavy yeah they come in so fast. that's that's the big difference biggest difference between how you might look it up on youtube and how we do it is we make these two simultaneous batches of tapache, one that gets fermented, one that doesn't get fermented. And then when we blend it together, we're left with this really rich flavored product, but it doesn't, um, it's, but it's still sweet, still quite sweet. So right. a ton of flavor in there, but it has a lot of residual fresh pineapple taste to it. And there's a whole bunch of more secrets. Yeah, the last time I tell anybody the secrets. But... The last time, a couple times I've tried to make it, I think I've screwed some things up because first off, mine come out super dry. Um, yeah. and I had one explode. Yeah. Like it was really yeah. happy fermenting and I just, it just blew the top right off the bucket. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what, you know, fermentation is always want fruit fermentation always wants to go fully dry, no sweetness left. Yeah. That's kind of how the, the magic, you can't just take, if you just take 
um, your tapache that you make at home and, and you let it go fully dry. And then when you want to drink it, you add fresh pineapple juice to it. That will not mm -hmm. taste like this because so much of the flavor that we're getting in here is due to that skin contact. Um, uh, so it's really that completely different flavor that we're able to produce um, with that giant pain in the ass process of keeping one side cold. And one side right. Cold. Yeah. And there you go. So it's like finished product three. We add a little bit of cinnamon, nutmeg, uh, cinnamon cloves and allspice no nutmeg. Ooh, um, nice. At the end, that's a traditional ingredient uh, spices that we add. Um, we actually make a tea out of it. Here's a little trick for the home home fermenters, home brewers out there. Is mm. we, we use a lot of spices in a lot of the ciders that we make. And we don't ever put the spices in um, the liquid to like soak uh, during the fermentation or even afterwards. Uh, that's too uncontrolled. So you might put a cinnamon stick in some beer or whatever, and it might sit for two or three days and taste good. And then on the fourth day, it tastes terrible. Um, and so it's really, I, I call it like a spice cliff. It's everything's good. Everything's good. You don't know where the end of the cliff is. And all of a sudden it just drops off the cliff and it's unrecoverable at that point. Like over so we, whenever right? we're making anything with spice, yeah, it's like oversteeping. It goes bitter. And at that point mm. you're dead. You can't just like stick a potato in there and like soak up the flavor or anything. Yeah. You can't <laughs> fix it once you've done that. So what we are, mm, yeah, we always just make a tea out of it. So we make like uh, a, we make like a tea. So we take the spice and just put it on your stove. Like you're making a potpourri on your stove and just simmer it for however long we want. And then we have this um, concentrated liquid that we pour in, taste it, pour in, taste it. Um, so that's, and we do that for a lot of our spicy stuff. And it's, it's really, so, really um, controlled for us. What's the difference between making like a tea that way, or I know that some places will soak um, like their spices in, like they'll soak it in like brandy or they'll soak it in vodka. And not enough that you want the flavor of the alcohol of, of that alcohol, but that the alcohol is really pulls out the spice flavors. Is there a big difference between those two? No, I wouldn't say there's a difference between those two at all, with the exception of some ingredients are um, alcohol soluble and some of them are water soluble. And there's no real reason to use alcohol if water will do the trick because of cost, basically. Um, but for instance, our chili pepper that we usually add to things ciders that we make is um, we soak those dried chilies in um, in alcohol. So there's mm -hmm. we found that the flavor comes out much more strongly. In, in a, it's better use of our chili peppers to, to soak them in alcohol as opposed to water. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Because um, when I use, because like when I do stuff and I've used the alcohol, I'm never fully happy with the flavor. And it might be because I'm using stuff that's water water soluble than, than in the alcohol. Yeah. I think maybe a lot of home cooks um, are more comfortable taking uh, spices or whatever ingredients and putting them on a pot with some water on the stove and watching them. Cause that's what we do as cooks where there's no real mystery about putting some spices into a pot on the stove and stirring it and watching it and making sure it doesn't boil over and it just simmers for a while. Um, but they're, but soaking things in alcohol can be a bit mysterious. Like you don't, um, you, the ex flavor extraction can happen at different rates in the beginning. It's, it's not a linear progression of the flavor extraction and alcohol. It can go, it can spike. Um, right. And you can't, um, you know, you're not going to like necessarily stare at it. You know, you don't want to, you just want to drink a bunch of brandy or vodka or stuff as you're, as going along. But if you're <laughs> making a spice on your stovetop, you can like, <laughs> taste it as it's going along. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
I was thinking the answer is that you would then be adding alcohol, additional alcohol, if you were to steep your spices in in alcohol and then pour that in. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe a lot of it cooks off. Yeah, it could be a good thing. Could be a bad thing. Kind of depends on what you're trying to do. Nice. So, sorry, I am listening, but I'm also just fighting this relentless streaming issue at the same time. This Facebook thing? Yeah. Making me cranky. It's bothering me too, so uh, ask that ask more questions while I fight. <laughs> sorry, everyone. Oh, God, I should be better prepared for this. Well, you also are under no obligation to wear your shirt, which is what I'll take. Hey, I'll, I'll, let me what point else out have shirt. I been to wear this shirt? <laughs> <laughs> you like you guys like my shirt, Roger Williams University. Uh, I did notice this is, that. Um, this is uh, on on many of my um, older packaging. There, it said, "Who ate Roger Williams?" It was this question on all, all the bottles and packages. Mm-hmm. Roger Williams is this seventeen hundreds, sixteen hundreds guy who founded Rhode Island, and he was a um, a uh, Christian minister, and he was super into religious tolerance, and he um, thought everybody should just get along. He was sort of a high, like we're all good, we're all children of God, or whatever. Um, and uh, pretty cool guy. Anyway, so he uh, died. This is a bit of a story. You guys ready? So he died. Um, he died at a decent age, and, and when he was buried, he wanted to be buried next to his wife. And back then, there wasn't much in the way of graveyards because it's still super super early in american history and a lot of it's common to get buried in your backyard so he got buried next to his wife in the backyard and somebody um, planted an apple tree at his head to um you know sort of give him give them some shade or whatever mark the spot um and then you know 50 60 100 years i'm not exactly sure how long goes by and they, you know, growth happens in, in Rhode Island and they need to move, uh, they demolish the house, they need to move the grave sites so to make way for gentrification. Um, and they know that there's this apple tree at his head and they're like, okay, this is where he and his wife are buried. So let's dig here. And they, they dig down a little ways and they find the, the coffin nails and um, they, they, they're, they're like, this is the spot. At that point, there's not much left. There's of, of his body. I mean, this is, I guess, just, you can figure out how long it took based on that. Um, but as they were digging down, they found this apple tree root had gone through the coffin and um, had essentially uh, in the shape of the man. So this, this just root went down, went straight through his head and ate up all his bones there and then went down it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it actually split at the uh, at the hips and went um, down from there and even tipped up at the toes. And so they saw this this root that was in the shape of a man right where his grave was known to be. And they uh, chopped off the you know, they cut the tree down because they needed to build apartment buildings or whatever. Um, so they uh, chopped up the root. And now it, this root is on display at the Rhode Island Historical Society and it's in the shape of a man and. <laughs> So there's this, you know, this question of who ate Roger Williams and apple trees are known to, they need um, calcium to develop their fruit and fruit actually has a decent amount of calcium in it. So, um, you know, the, the tree ultimately ate Roger right. Williams, but even 
more ultimately we did because we ate those apples that came out of um it came from his bones so it's, it's kind of a little bit this is like super apple nerd humor of, uh, yeah. that guy i know in Providence. i bet those apples is, were really good because of all really the calcium good. exactly yeah and i also so love that like providence sent me this t-shirt i kind of love that we were talking about lovecraft at the beginning and of course the man-shaped root took place in rhode island oh yeah we're ready for this <laughs> We're, yeah, we're ready yeah. for the film festival, aren't we? Yeah. Oh yeah. man, it sounds like a great like D and D monster too. Like the the cannibal, you know, the the carnivorous apple trees. Yeah, they can't move, but it's t- t- sort of like Whomping Willow, but like with roots instead of its uppers. Yeah. But it can huck its own they... apples at you and knock you out, and that's how it gets you. Or yeah, or you have to eat a certain number of them, and then yeah, things change or something. Oh, Save throw versus awesome. poison. Yeah. <laughs> So Apple nerds, if you're a real Apple nerd, you're you're into the story of uh, Roger Williams. Awesome. Well, the, I'm thinking about how um, what's that joke that where you um, if you ever need to hide a body, uh, wherever you bury it, you plant the like the state plant or an endangered plant over that oh, area because then it nice. can't be touched. So which Ooh. state has apple trees as its mm. like state tree or whatever yeah i bet um, pear trees would be okay too and the, boom mm-hmm. now you've got like haunted tree murder mystery you can do a lot with that nice for figuring it out here yeah it's, it's like a graveyard asparagus it's one of my favorite things go on it's a it's so it's from an old i forgot what like nerdy ass npr food show i was listening to but there's this person and he sells these like pale asparagus to like chefs and at farmer's markets. He doesn't tell anyone where he gets it from. Uh, but it's like these world renowned asparagus. And this is all, this is true. So eventually this NPR reporter convinces him like, um, like if you blindfold me, will you take me to where you pick them? And the guy eventually agrees to it. And this guy has been going to like this unknown and forgotten pioneer cemetery and this asparagus only grows where basically these dead people have been buried for over a century. That's good ground. It's good. I know dirt. that's it's full of calcium fertile. and other mm-hmm. other you know trace chemicals. Yeah, it's so yeah. I kind of love those kinds of things. <laughs> but are they only growing like a little strip here and then a little strip there and then a little strip there, or is that how's, it, how's that? Going? I'm not sure. Like they didn't go into detail, but like you know, there's like in the audio, like you can hear them sampling a just fresh cut from the ground asparagus, and so they sound super crisp. And the reporter's like, "It's like the sweetest amazing. asparagus I've ever had in my life. It's amazing." Mm-hmm. Now I know why chefs pay top dollar for them. So business model right there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the concept that is being normalized because nowadays you can pay to instead of like, instead of having a coffin and a funeral and a whole bunch of other, you know, nonsense, you could just have your body composted. Mm, mushroom thing, right? What's that, what's that called? Uh, I don't think it's mushroom specific. That might be something else that I'm not aware of, but this is yeah. literally like that rather than, you know, like rather than being cremated, they put you in a composting bin but it's it's specifically designed for for human bodies and they they break you yeah. down and then and then they can do whatever with your soil use it to plant a tree or whatever yeah, yeah i like the tree pod ones too Those are I don't cool know, too. yeah i don't know if those ever got approved but i think they did in a couple states yeah they just put your body in this sack with a sapling and you just feed that tree mm. same thing you could be just like roger williams 
Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a t-shirt with your name on it in another 300 years. <laughs> yeah. mm. I want to be planted as an avocado tree. Mm. The big pit avocados or the small pit avocados? The ones that have the most flavor. Whatever that is. Yeah. yeah I don't which, know what the ripest one ones. I don't know. Yeah. The, the night. Yeah. The ripe ones. Mm. <laughs> mm. I want to know that I'm powering tacos for decades after I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking a lemon tree. Pairs really well with an avocado tree. What well, no. a lime, lime tree. Lime is better. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I do like lime more than lemon. Okay, fine. I'll be a lime tree. Okay. One on one end of the graveyard, one on the other end. Table. What kind of tree? Yeah, yeah. What kind of tree do you want to be reborn as? We time this right, we might be just having a salsa graveyard. Okay, so tomatoes. Salt tree. Salt the sausages. Mm. I'd like to say a Japanese maple, but I don't think I've I don't think I've earned that. Mm. Earned it. Oh. Mm. Do a mm-hmm. cherry tree. Mm. You don't like them? No. You like sweet cherries. Mm, I love cherries. Do you want to be limes and I'll be cherries? I, I, I think I'd end up being a more decorative tree rather than a, a fruit-bearing tree. Uh, it's just that Denise and I are very food-motivated, so we're always thinking... Gable <laughs> <laughs> is very pretty, so... Yeah. Gable's the pretty one, we're the hungry ones. <laughs> I mean... You're the delicious ones. Yeah, no lies detected. Although, speaking of delicious, what do we move on to next here? Yeah, uh, my let's do the Tifache cider, rather the one in the can, the one with the actual sticker on the side of the can. Okay. The unlabeled. This. So this one. Yes. yes. That one. Yes. And I don't have any with me. I feel like a fool. I sent it to you. I didn't send it to myself. Whatever. Uh, I, I, probably, I probably had some of this in my fridge. Well, it's still delicious, though. So this is something that I think this is our third year making this. And it really is a response to that. Some of the difficulty that we've had getting um, to people to understand what tapache is. Um, you know, it's hard to create a whole category. Um, and it's especially hard to create a category when you try for years and years and people don't get it. Um, and so when we were telling people to, like, Oh, this is how you drink it. You buy the bottle. First, you have to explain what the bottle is. And then you have to explain what to do with the bottle. So it's like, it's just double whammy of difficulty. This is um, this, and that is that. Which is funny, because yeah, it literally on the bottle, it says two-thirds tapache, one-third of your favorite beer. Yes, Aaron. Half of America is below average population intelligence. So you're not, I mean, we're dealing with difficulty <laughs> here. <laughs> All right. So we're, we're, the, the Cider Rattler was uh, an answer to that of like, I just want to get people to drink this delicious product without having to think about it. So you just say pineapple beverage, pineapple drink, pineapple cider. You could say mm-hmm. you could call this a pineapple cider and not be legally lying. Right. Um, and so that, that's kind of like ready to drink. We want something that was a little bit higher ABV, but not high. I think this is four point something. Um, it's thinned out because we use a dry cider without I, any sweetness in it. I feel like it's been stronger in the past. 4.4. Like a 6.5 uh, at one time or something. The no, we may have made some special batches, but we actually only ever printed one run of labels and we've just been using them for the last oh, few okay. years. So it's 
And I think it's pretty close to actually what it says on the label, too. Um, Allegedly. You know, they fit there. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, don't, uh, <laughs> don't, stick your, uh, don't stick your Zomnagel or your Anton Parr meter in there. You test it for me. Um, yeah, so that's all it is. It's Tipache mixed with a dry cider um, carbonated. So the first bottle that we had was not carbonated. It, that gets sort of in the vein of you bring your own carbonation if you want to. But this mm-hmm. one is really designed around crack the can open and um, you know drink it you know potentially straight from the can or whatever and i'm i'm really happy with the sort of drinkability of it this year it's just really um right down the road in, in, in flavor nothing too complex it, it simultaneously is super complex if you want it to be complex and you want to think about it that way mm-hmm. and it's also um just easy to open up and drink so yeah it goes, down, it goes down really smooth this one and it's yeah super yeah. easy drinkable and stuff yeah yeah um, so I hope I'm not like putting things out there that you don't want to be public. We can always edit this out later if that's the case, but I know Nat, that Good thing I fixed the were... live button. <laughs> I know that at one point, but that's what our listeners, they they won't do anything with that. Um, at one point you were looking at making uh mix packs, right? Uh, like a variety pack. Yes. But what if, what if instead of a variety pack of ciders, you did like a variety pack of, um, Tapaches, and you could do like two or three of the cans are already, uh, or just the tapache, but then the rest, whether it was a six pack or a nine pack, were already mixes like your tapache rattler. And it could be a collab thing with, with Rosenstadt and Von Ebert and anyone else who you've, you know, like successfully blended with in the past. So some tapaches already mixed, some unmixed, so that people who buy the mix pack can like experiment for themselves. But like, that way, like they're getting a cohesive explanation yeah. within the product of what you do. Yeah, I mean, there's there. So just by comparison, this year I think we've made ninety cases of the straight tapache, and there was a year where we made two thousand cases of tapache. So wow. we have really tried to get people on the tapache bandwagon, and it's just been so difficult. Um, you know, for a lot of reasons. I, could we have done a better job? Absolutely. Could we have given something like what you're talking about, like a, a package that people could buy and then, ex- you know, explore? Absolutely. Um, I think there's always, you know, we're not giving up on, on anything in Tapache land, um, but we're, we're tempering our expectations. And, you know, honestly, a lot of times we're making it these days, we're just making it for the fans that we already have. So like Chris at Barrio is he was the, the guy who at the end of the Tepache season in years past, he would say, you have to tell me, you know, when you're running low, cause I will buy the remaining stock. Did that for <laughs> years and years. And he was the only place you could get it in the middle of the winter. And, um, and, you know, as time went by, we just sort of shed people. We used to, I remember one time we had a, a display in whole foods that was uh, whole foods in the pearl. That was the whole end cap. It was, you know, six feet tall, you know, four feet, five feet wide, full of Tepache. And, the steward there was working really hard to educate people about Tepache, but he didn't do it the second year because it was just too much effort. So Yeah, I remember seeing that. Because I remember thinking, like, when did it stop being sold in the stores? And I guess that's that's it right there. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It, I, as time goes by, I start to do things more and more for myself and for the existing fans that we have, and less so for trying to get people, you know, into something that they don't, that they're already, we've tried and they don't get into it. So, all right, fine. I feel like in this country, cider is still a hard sell. Like it's just hard to get Americans to to do it. Right. People so are here still we're fighting. Learning. 
Right. It's like we're, we want to spend our time fighting story of cider. Do we really want to spend our time fighting the story of Tapache too? I don't know. Well, That's I'm always going to be out one. there about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, every time well, I share it I with someone, it. they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. How come I never heard of it before? I'm like, well, I'm probably not listening. That's part of it. <laughs> you know. you, you yeah, I mean, probably I have. Who, have. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have people who buy Reverend Nats once a year only for Tapache. Like, we got invited to this uh, beer festival in um, Boston a few years ago. Uh, it was called the Extreme Beer Fest. And it was the guy was like, I would, we were the first non-beer to show up at the beer festival. And he was like, you have to bring your debache. I don't care what else you bring along with debache, but you have to bring debache. Because he had it at something and he was amazed. And he was like, you got to bring it out. I think, honestly, I, I think we lose every, we lose money on every bottle that we make. Because I haven't done the math on a straight debache. The debache said rather is a little bit more comical because we're cutting it with 60% cider, which is obviously a lot cheaper for us to make than right. um, grinding up pineapples and doing all the work for it. So. <laughs> I've heard that the pineapples were expensive this year. At least I noticed when I was in the stores, I was paying way more for pineapples this year than I was last year. Hmm. I don't I know if he froze or if he's thinking know. really hard. <laughs> I think I froze. I'm not yeah. sure if they were more expensive this year or not. I think it's weird okay. that you remember the price of something last year. Me? Yeah. Have you not heard me get how OCD I am when I'm shopping? I run the map in my head and I try to get as close as possible with what I think it's going to be. And I'm blown away by that because I have no idea how much I spend on food in a month. Oh, it freaks Jen out when she goes shopping with me because, you know, they'll start ringing up and she'll say, so what do you think? And I'll be like, it's going to come to 125 and 38 cents. It'll come to like 125 and 15 cents. She's like, that is so weird. That is weird. That yeah. Is- I don't know why I do it. I think I got it from my abuela because that's how she grocery shops. I love you, Aaron. That's not OCD. That's a trauma response. Oh. <laughs> but I, but I well, like. Well, no, do like, it. no. no it, it, well, that's that's something that like people who don't have money develop. But I don't uh, yeah. think that's why he. I Which, don't think that's why he does it. Childhood poverty causes trauma. But I wasn't. Like, I didn't. Grow it, it doesn't up mean it, it. Like I don't think it's a, a bad thing. But no, no, no. If it's well, perceived that way, that's. That's what that comes from. It doesn't necessarily mean that you you have obsessive compulsive disorder about this specific thing. What I mean is, like, I know that you're saying, like, childhood poverty is the reason that he has this thing that he describes as OCD. But Aaron Durant did not experience childhood poverty. Correct. No, I mean, there were times where things were tight. Now, Aaron Durant experienced poverty when he moved away. Sure. Which is also traumatic. <laughs> yeah. But like you were saying, you were taught by this by your abuela who, who probably, probably did a response. Get it, bro. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh fair. yeah, no. This That's this okay. woman will um like tape up ketchup packets when she's done with them and put them in the fridge. Yep. This is the same uh, my my dad's mother. Same thing, all of her practices, everything that happened, even though she didn't was never sent to a camp, it could have happened at any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you hold on to everything. <laughs> That's pretty intense. I've never heard of like saving a partial packet of condiments. Oh, yeah. She'll save partial packets of condiments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this, is also anymore, the, but this is also the same woman who repaints her kitchen every three months. Yeah, I think she does it less now, but yes. She likes to repaint the kitchen a lot. 
and vacuum at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. It's also the same woman that will sometimes wake up and she's just really craving a baked potato, so she'll microwave <laughs> a potato at like 2 a.m. My grandmother is a strange and wonderful human. Yes. You've also yeah. talked about that before, uh, about how that uh, gets into your own weird food cravings in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah, I totally get them. Yeah, the middle of the night, I was like, man, I could go for a baked potato mm-hmm. or some <laughs> or some fried chicken and jalapenos, you know, it's like three in the morning. Yeah. That's perfect. That's what I want <laughs> right now. This is baked potato time. Oh, baked potato time. Yeah. Like your watch just has a potato on that hour. Mm. Potato alarm. How badly we have to quit talking about this because I want one so badly right now. How's that potato sound right now, Aaron? It sounds so good. Maybe like when the ones where you salt crust it before you cook it, so the outside oh. dries up a little mm-hmm. bit. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, right, just just like a, just a quick little slather of oil. Okay, now I want a potato. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. A little bit of bacon bits. Chop up some chives. Whoa. I don't have right. any of that stuff in my house. Yeah, so. we have to move I'm on. Safe. We have to move on to something else because this is killing me, Smalls. Fortunately, we have more grocery list. Mm. <laughs> I don't think we have any I'm, potatoes either. I nope, no, can't remember the last time I bought a potato. Probably last winter. We do potato night, uh, baked potato night. Gorm, what do we call it? Loaded baked potato. Uh, as a pretty fairly standard dinner around here. Just a fat, fat baked potato. We get a yeah. can Nally chili and pour it on top, and we make the steamed broccoli and melted cheese. Man, I know what I'm. Way too much butter. I so know what I'm making for dinner tomorrow night. It's it's (laughs) happening. It's on. I know. I'm gonna go revise my meal plan for the week. (laughs) (laughs) We we haven't completely like we've only done through Thursday, so I I think baked potato um, loaded baked potato is ending up on the list. Okay. Uh, I, I know that Merrick will not balk at this at all. Friday night. This episode night. is just becoming potato episode. <laughs> this is uh, 614, is it? Sp- Spuds and Cider. Yeah. Here's your title. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nicely done. All right. You know what? To distract myself from potato thoughts. Going to have more Rattler? No, I want to open this mystery can. For the Everyone last go. one. Everyone mm-hmm. keep up. Yes. <laughs> this is the... Um, this is the, the money maker right here. We're going to make so much money, i.e. lose it all on this one. But it was fun to make, Aaron. Uh, that makes me feel so good. Yeah, super fun. I am so, glad you um, refrain from commenting. <laughs> yes, so what's in here? Why is this unlabeled? Right, so the labels haven't come from the label maker yet, so that's oh, why they're unlabeled. But, um, so we've, um, a lot of folks probably know we make this these series of ciders called the, um, called the Tent Show Ciders, and they are the most uh, experimental stuff that, that I, I, I make in a, in a given year. And they're always, um, you know, there's no holds barred. There's no ingredient off limits. There's no process off limits. And we set the price based on how much effort it was put into it, as opposed to all of our year-round ciders and our seasonals, we have sort of like a price cap that I'm not allowed to go cost cap that I'm not allowed to go above. I can't throw gold flakes into our you know, our year-round ciders because it's going to pencil out. But I have yet to put gold flakes into a tent. Well, the price have to go way, way up. Um, So but the tent shows, they're all about whatever um, the best flavors would be. And so um, Aaron, you you may recall when we were developing this cider, uh, there was a moment where I said, wait, wait, stop. I have to go get something from the store. And I went to the store (laughs) and got a gallon of this thing 
and then we used like uh, a pint or half a pint out of the gallon. We didn't even it. use that much. We used. I think a pint is like half a gallon, isn't it? No, uh, a pint is a four is uh, an eighth of a gallon. Someone, yeah. someone, bring me the chart. The chart. I don't think we did more than four ounces of that ingredient. We did not yeah. use much. It was scary yeah. how very little was needed. What yeah. and what ingredient is that? Uh, liquid smoke. Now, if anybody does not have Ooh. liquid smoke in their refrigerator, they need to do this. I just put some liquid smoke into um, some quesadillas last night. That I, I thought you were going to say potatoes. <laughs> Huh? My wife's saying no wonder they were so good. Yeah, she didn't even know I put liquid. You could put liquid smoke in your baked potato. That'd be delicious. Also, hi yeah, Sarah. Or put it in your in your chili. Denise says hi. Um, put it in your chili as you're warming it up to go on your baked potato. A little bit of liquid smoke. And people uh, might think liquid smoke is this weird sort of science fiction thing. It's not. It's just they make a fire with some kind of wood, and they have a giant bong, and they just rip the smoke through the bong, and then they sell you that water. So it's just bong water is all you're drinking. <laughs> I, I, I mean, actually, totally natural. We use a pressure cooker, and I use liquid smoke in the pressure cooker when I'm making uh, baked potatoes. So it pressure cooks potatoes and makes them all smoked. Wonderful. On my mind right now. What mm-hmm. the hell am I doing in my kitchen? I cook five, six nights a week, and I don't know. I'm not eating baked potatoes. Liquid like, smoke. <laughs> I'm not and using I, liquid smoke. It's funny. I'm not, I'll hear I'm people... not putting pork in my tabache. I'll hear people say like, "Oh, liquid smoke is just cheating." But I'll talk to pit messers that are like, fuck, no, it's not cheating. No way, dude. <laughs> They're it's like, bong no. water. It's just it, bong uh, water. Yeah. It's just bong water. <laughs> and, I've, and I've actually made my own. It is not worth the effort of making your own. Go buy it. Yeah. yeah. Noted. Go buy it. <laughs> that gallon, do you remember how much that gallon cost me, Aaron? I think it was like $16. It wasn't a lot. It, it was less than 20 I remember that. And yeah, it was, it was a, a gallon. Ga- gallon jug. And normally you buy liquid smoke and like, five ounce bottles exactly for, yeah. for like ten dollars so mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's your other tip go to those like chef supply stores and get yourself a gallon of smoke always go to yeah. the chef supply store well no i mean that's the point of liquid <clears throat> smoke is that you don't need very much we used so little for hundreds uh, for a hundred gallons of this tapache stuff that we made so last night when i was making the quesadillas i took the liquid smoke i opened the lip the, the tip up i put my finger over the tip I stick it upside down and then I shook it so some escaped around my finger. You don't need much of liquid smoke, so I think five ounces is great for a home home kitchen. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it but if it has so many uses, you should go ahead and buy it in bulk because it's cheaper that way. You know, bank liquid up. smoke. You know, when the apocalypse everything. comes, you're going to be glad you have an extra, <laughs> you know, nine right. tenths of a gallon of liquid smoke. Generator, <laughs> liquid smoke. You're set for the apocalypse. Now all your neighbors would be like, "Hey, I was just wondering if I could borrow a." couple of tablespoons of liquid smoke you, you got any more damn liquid smoke <laughs> all right <laughs> okay so what else is in here besides liquid smoke because i'm about to crack this bitch yeah so we're never going to tell anybody else there's liquid smoke here because we just want it to be sort of a mystery uh, mystery ingredient it doesn't you know taste you know like this smoke do you know this show that like gets uploaded right with like ten thousand downloads a month i'm yeah, the whole, ready the whole, the whole internet knows okay. now yeah but it doesn't it doesn't have um smokiness to it maybe now that i've said liquid smoke you could pick it out i could when i was drinking it when i was tasting after you blended it i could pick it out in the nose but not in the in the, in the flavor the taste yeah. it. but it just kind of gave us some more sort of depth and complexity and so a little bit of sort of mushroomy kind of flavor in there that was like really low key um kind of hidden in the background 
But but at the base, it's tapache. So we took our traditional tapache, the first drink that we had. And then, um, well, Aaron, you were there. So it was a collaboration yeah. with the world famous um, uh, home brewer, Aaron Duran. Um, so I don't, maybe you can tell us what was in there, Aaron. Uh, so we started with your tapache as a base. And then I don't remember how much tamarind we used, but that's the other main mm-hmm. flavor in there. Um, God, he froze up again. I want to say it was like, I went from unfree, so I don't get this wrong. But, oh, but I want to say it's ready. got like 10 gallons of tamarind in it, I think. Uh, and then it has, uh, right. was it ghost peppers that we used? Your, ghost. your pepper. Yeah. Soaked in vodka. Yeah. Brandy, but whatever. Yeah. Yep. It was brandy. Chili pepper brandy tea. Yeah. That's yeah it. We so kept... tapache, tamarind, smoke and, um, yeah. And, uh, chili. Yeah. And I remember we just kept upping the heat. We kept wanting more spice, more spice. And I think the problem we, the issue we had is we kept comparing it to your actual spicy tapache, which has got a legit kick to it. And I remember we didn't want this to be that spicy. Well, this is your first time drinking it. I mean, you didn't, you didn't have it as we were going along. What do you think about the spice level? It could be way spicier. But you, you could taste it as spice? Um, yes. Well, there's a, there's a tingliness to it. Mm-hmm. But like all the way, like past the palate, it's all the way in the back. Yeah, back of the bus. Um, yeah. It's it, yeah, it's I I can tell that it's there, but it doesn't register as heat. It just registers as an ingredient to me. Yeah, and I've also I've also had for. a bunch of this other stuff. Um, what I was thinking is funny is you were saying like you can smell the smoke, but you don't really taste it. And for me, the inverse is true. I can't really <sighs> smell it, but I can taste it. Amazing. And I have noticed, because I've had the can sitting on the table since this entire episode, um, if it warms up a little bit, the smoke comes through even more. Mm-hmm. Ah. So if it, if it gets up to, like, cellar temp to get all wanky, um, you will definitely taste the, the smoke kind of on the back end. It's it's very pleasant. Awesome. I like it. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. It's just not, um, it's not that cold anymore. I, I like it, though. I enjoy that element of flavor. How about you, Cable? The, the the chili heat and the smoke sort of prominence or, or background background character. Uh, I agree with uh, Denise's assessment that it is tingly from lips all the way to the back back of the throat. So you, you can taste that it is spiced and heated all the way through. Um, but I don't believe that it overpowers the drink. So that you get the flavor of it without getting um, burnt by it, right? And I do still smell the smoke when I'm drinking it, and when I still have it in my mouth, I can still smell it through my nose. So I, I think both are very prominent. If you hadn't known that there was literally liquid smoke in it, would you have identified it as? Would you have said smoke, or would it have just been some other sort of complexity? Of, of I, I would have described it as smoky. Mm-hmm. Ah, cool. Yeah, because um, I'm not familiar with liquid smoke. I, I think the other thing that I would say to describe this is this is drinking autumn. Oh, I like that. This yeah, t- yeah, it has a very like... Exactly it, like the season feels right now, or I want um, it to feel. Right. Yeah, it has a, a warming, like, 
not thick, but like a like a heavier. It tastes like putting on a blanket. Yeah. Okay. So, Aaron, you may remember this conversation from our blending day, but right. uh, Bean and Cable, what do you think the ABV of this product is? This is a good spot to take a break and talk to you about our sponsors. First up, Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Check out their all-new layout. Makes it a lot easier to shop there and to chat with the customers and chat with other, uh, with, the, with the folks who work there and just get some ideas of what kind of games you want to play. Uh, on their Facebook page right now, facebook.com forward slash GG Portland, which you should check out for their constant updates. Uh, they they ran a, a survey about one of the greatest starter games for anyone, um, basically who, you know, beyond like Monopoly or whatever, has never really played board games or card games or whatever. And the one that came up is Sushi Go. And I can tell you from experience that Sushi Go is a really great game to get people, uh, who have maybe never done that style of playing before, get them into that type of gaming. But even if you're an old school, you know, gamer or whatever, Sushi Go is just really fun. But that's just a great example of everything that Guardian Games does to bring in not only to to, to please like the longtime gamer, but you know, to to bring in the new gamer, someone who's always been curious and maybe has felt intimidated. So check them out. Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. And when you're there, thank them for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio. Just like our next sponsor, Bridge City Comics. 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. Uh, doesn't matter what kind of books you're into, Bridge City Comics is going to have it. So check them out, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue. You can also find them online at bridgecitycomics.com. And when you go into the physical store, I would definitely suggest setting up a subscription box. That way you uh, you never miss uh, one of your favorite titles, especially if one is just coming out. That's a great way to make sure that you don't miss a new title. And if it's a title you're interested in, it's also great to make sure that title doesn't get canceled because of the weird-ass way the comic industry runs. Um, so yeah, when you're in there, thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio, and also thank them for being totally cool with their commercial being read while the washing machine is in spin cycle. It's what happens when your home office is also your basement laundry system. Bridge City Comics. Somewhere <laughs> um, between six and eight. Hmm. I would actually go lower. Yeah? Yeah. It feels more like it's probably four. But that I don't does know. Make more, that does make more sense. Tapache itself isn't that high, and you guys didn't put any additional alcohols into this. Well, that's your, that's your educator brain thinking. Consider the two flavors, the two drinks that you had earlier, the traditional tapache and cider rattler, and then compare it purely in flavor, not in manufacturing, you know, design. It tastes stronger. Tastes tastes stronger. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. That's why I was thinking like six to eight, because that's, you know, because tapache is, what did we say? Regular tapache is what? Four, six? Three, two. Three, point two. Yeah. Yeah. It tastes stronger, but it doesn't, it doesn't hit me. Then, since I have that uh, complicated relationship with the alcohol, it's not hitting me the way that alcohol hits me. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll appreciate this one, Cable, because it's like 2.8% ABV, which yeah, is right, super then. fascinating to me because I agree with you, Bean. It tasted more robust and um, well, even when we were first mixing it, I thought, like, I was like, is there something else in here? Because it's got that. 
it's got that richness of a higher ABV cider, and you're like, no, it's actually less. Yeah, pretty well, amazing. You've, yeah. you've you've topped tapache, which is already like it's sweet, but it's rich. It's strong flavor, yeah. you know, like hearty mouthfeel. And then you've put tamarind in there, which is Sour. also like strong yep. flavor, Sour. bold, yep. you know, and like heavy mouthfeel. And then chili, tamarind also has are, that earthiness too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's where you're getting those autumnal vibes, and that's where you're getting yeah. this like, I mean, not like, it's not like strong beer type of vibe, but it's it's got a it's got a weightiness to it that is tantamount to or not tantamount, but like it, it that is connected in my brain anyway to stronger like higher ABVs. So yeah, like I, that's a big problem with sort of session beers or low ABV beers is that there's also low on flavor, but mm-hmm. this thing has got so much flavor and it's got more flavor than the previous two drinks mm-hmm. um and yet it's lower alcohol it's just super fascinating and i'm just i love kind of messing with people's heads or expectations about about these sort of things so you know i think people can drink this you know not you, you got listeners know that this is the slow abv thing but you'll be uh, nobody's gonna guess it's 2.8 if you don't know already no one's gonna right. guess it's 2.8 when you're drinking it just tastes like a, I agree, like a four to six percent, four to six percent thing. It's sure. like I remember when I went home with uh, what, like like your growlers, those little half growlers or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I shared them with uh, like our neighbors on the porch and stuff. I don't remember who else was over that that evening. I was like, oh, because I, I wanted to save it, and you're like, uh, I wanted to save it till Jen got back, and you're like, you probably shouldn't do that because it's still kind of active. They don't want it to blow up on you because <laughs> it hadn't been pasteurized or anything yet. Um, so I shared it with like Getty and his girlfriend and some other folks who were all hanging out and I poured them all like a, you know, cider sampling glass and they all loved it. And, uh, then they got, they're like, wait a minute, like, this is a, this is going to be a tent show. Like how strong is it? We got to be careful here. Right. I was like, how strong do you think? I think Getty was like 10.1. Like they were all like six and a half, eight and a half. And I was like, it's about 2.8, I think. And they're like, what? They would have lost the prices, right? That's true. They all yeah. went over. <laughs> I mean, you get much lower, and this is an NA beer. <laughs> yeah, almost. Yeah, so amazing. Impressive, Aaron, actually. So we're borrowing uh, the name of this fantastic tamarind cider Aaron has made a few times called Four Hundred Rabbits. That's going to be the name of this when when the labels show up. It'll be called Four Hundred Rabbits. I don't know when they're going to show up. We might be six, six weeks away from that. Um, but Aaron, do you want to? Give a little bit of background about the name of the four. Why, why four hundred rabbits? Where it comes from? So the the four hundred rabbits are inspired by um, um, like ancient uh, indigenous Mexican gods, and it's mm-hmm. it's basically they have like two gods of fermentation, which are also slash like gods of partying. They're one of the few gods that didn't involve death, um, or killing or all that kind of fun stuff. Or they're the two kind of like laid back party gods. And in the myth, they just get hammered one night and start cranking out these rabbits. And each rabbit is a type of effect of intoxication. So, like, the first rabbit is, like, that happy feeling you get when you've drank too much. The second rabbit is, like, the angry one. So they name up to, like, the first six, and then they jump up to, like, 398. They don't even bother naming all the ones in the middle. And it stops at the 400 rabbits. So that's that's where it comes from. I did some Googling after you described this to me, and I found that there was a rabbit that was uh, the rabbit, uh, the, the mini god of the guy who gets so drunk that he hangs himself. That's a little bit more yes. 
<laughs> um, it's, there was it's, a it's rabbit of four hundred types the, of the, the drinker who gets. It's like aspects of of drunkenness. The, yeah. the, these are the yeah. four hundred yeah. different ways that you can be drunk, and each one is represented by this like mini by rabbit. a rabbit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and one of them the, was the, like it's the Aztec the, goddess uh, Maya Hill. Um, yeah, so one of them is too. the person who gets so drunk and steps on your toes on the dance floor because they're so drunk. And yeah. uh, there's always like, just like, I, I think they named maybe, uh, we just have the name like 10 or 12 of them. And so, and one of them is actually so drunk that he became a squirrel. I heard, I, I read that on Google, which is super funny. I like yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say that when I made the announcement last night that, uh, delivery driver was bringing by a tapache and something called 400 rabbits. Merrick was very disappointed that we did not actually receive 400 rabbits. <laughs> it's one of her favorite yeah. uh, game meats to eat is rabbit. So, mm. uh, And by the way, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's uh, Tecolote, the god of, it becomes the god of dance. Uh, started awesome. as a rabbit, got so drunk and danced so much it turned into a squirrel. Yes. The the Aztecs have very few charming gods. They're all very intense, except for these ones. <laughs> yeah, so I just describe it as the shorthand for this is uh they're 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 party rabbits, basically. Foreign rabbits yeah. are like the, the mm-hmm. party party, party gods, party rabbits. Yeah. I also like the the winged one. It's the fourth it's the fourth rabbit that drank apparently their story is they drank so much pulque, um they started to think they could fly. Oh yeah. <laughs> Happens to me every time I drink pulque. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Mhm. Yeah, Yeah. It's a completely different mouth movement to speak yeah. Noale. It's yeah, it's not easy. Um, so this four hundred. Trust me, it's not... also hard to type out. I have to put a lot of like um. Got to use change your keyboard into a different format. <laughs> oh, I copy and paste a lot of these names with lots of Z's, Z's and X's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember so when I had few... that like Aztec inspired D and D character, and even I couldn't say it right. <laughs> like I made it up. So I'll, yeah. I'll bring a few cans of this to our our event on Friday, but no labels, so it won't come up for a little while. But the traditional tapache and the tapache rattler blended with cider will be available for sale this uh, this Friday at, at the Barrio. I'll be curious to see what he thinks of it. Who? You're bringing a couple of those cans for, I'm assuming, for him to try at the Barrio? Oh, um, I mean, he can try it, but uh, mostly everybody else who shows up can try it. Oh, and cool. I haven't I haven't hit go on my newsletter yet. we got 5,000 people on the newsletter, and I'm going to tell them all to show up. So it might be a little bit busy. Um, I don't know how many are going to show up. Oh, I, look, well, I look forward I know to it. getting more cans of this. No, I was just saying, I know it's I'm very biased, but I do really like this one a lot. Cable, do you want another 399 cans? On the wall? I don't know if we need that many. So you can be the guy who steps on people's toes when he's super drunk on the dance floor? Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean like I am already? <laughs> I mean, before you say no, I feel like you better ask Merrick. I feel like saying no without jacking with her, that's a, that's a foolish mm-hmm. thing. Yes, this is true. Merrick, Nat offered me 400 cans of cider. I passed. <laughs> I didn't say no. <laughs> that I would have to consult. Oh, man. Well, you know what? We this can is throw also... a real rabbit in. 
<laughs> this is also a good spot. Really quick before we check, check with other things. Um, it's going to be an awkward segue. To, to welcome back Asylum. Yeah. Awesome. Anton and Deb are back. PDX nice. Asylum. Um, it has been so long, I have to look up their address again. 4,000 something Hawthorne, right? No, 3713 South Hawthorne Boulevard. Um, Yeah, they are still right now, I believe they're only open Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays, and I think Sundays. The rest of the days are, uh, they will open up for you, you just have to make an appointment. Um, But yeah, I've stopped by the shop a few times during the lockdown, and they still have just some amazing stuff, you know, for decorating your home, or a lot of us have home offices still, they can trick you out for that. Um. I have been obsessively trying to collect new drinkware, and Asylum has some amazing new barware that you can pick up there. Oh, shit. My God. If you go to their website right now, the <laughs> desk that is featured on their homepage is oh, yeah. obscenely sexy. <laughs> yeah, and this is a new white site for them, actually, pdxasylum.com. Yeah, it looks cool. great. Yeah, it looks um, really good. And then the section, second featured photo has... Uh, a bottle that looks like it was taken out of the captain's quarters. Tony, man, if you mean you just... that bomb? No, the blue one. No, the blue it looks one. like it looks like a bomb. It looks like a bottle that you put Romulan ale in. Yeah, totally. Because as no, always, because like... then you wouldn't be able to see the color with that bottle because the bottle's already colored. Don't be silly. You would actually want to hide the color of it because Romulan ale is illegal in the Federation. Yep. It depends on who has the bottle. So, so you have to put a label on there that says Andorian Ale, which is also mm-hmm. blue, and it really annoys me because the <laughs> Trek writers got lazy. I mean, there's there's still Meridor, That's which true. would also be illegal in the Federation since it's yeah. from the Gorn hegemony. Mm. But if it could rip up the Gorn, you know what it'll do to Terrans. Mm-hmm. Tear you up. It'll make them extinct. That's a dinosaur joke, eh? Anyway, <laughs> sorry. So yeah, uh, we want to welcome them back. We'll, we'll and we'll be up and running for a while there with them. So yeah, check them out. Asylum, thirty-seven thirteen Southeast Hawthorne. As always, still across from the Baghdad Theater. Hasn't moved. Hasn't nope. moved. Uh, you could pour some delicious Revnat cider and some of those barware they have. Mm-hmm. Mm, that'd be Fancy. delicious. I like that we still managed to go all non sequitur. Ooh. It's it's like we never stopped. Yeah, no. I know. They're going to hear the ad and be like, oh, it's like they just never went away. Except for the part about the address. It's fine. You know what? 13 Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard. See, it's going to get tricky for me again because in my head, numerically, them and Bridge City Comics are very similar in my oh, head. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, no, I'm right not giving there. you a hard time about not remembering the address. I couldn't either, but now I can't unknow it again. It's back. It's back. It's back. <clears throat> That's right. So yeah, welcome back, Asylum. Uh, we're happy to have you back on the show and visiting and all that stuff. It'll be cool. Perfect time because the the gift giving season is right around the corner. That's true. So yeah. Well, what else have we got going on, on the show? I mean, I mean, normally I think we'd be reviewing the TV shows that we've watched, but yeah, we're, yeah. we're a little truncated. Yeah, we're fine. Just chatting it out. Like, did you watch What If? Did Did you watch Lower Decks? Was What If still good? Was Lower Decks still funny? Yeah. Yes. 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 
And yes. I'm I'm still it's weirding me out that I am learning more about the Orions and now the Packleds from the funny <laughs> Star Trek show. Yeah. Oh, I think Nat froze up again. Yeah, I think he did. Um He'll catch the up. Orion stuff is fascinating. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like every little bit they give us, it's like, what? <laughs> um, when uh, I listened to, I'm going to inadvertently plug another uh, podcast. I listened to um, All the Asians on Star Trek today, which is finally mm-hmm. back from its hiatus. Oh. And Phil Yu's guest was Eugene Cordero, who plays uh, Ensign yeah. Sam Rutherford. Rutherford. Yep. Uh, and Sam is short for Samantha. FYI. <laughs> short for what? Samantha. Oh, okay. There's Samantha. 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 Samantha Rutherford. Anyway, uh, but uh, Cordero was talking about that they're already working on uh, recording stuff for season three. And like we're still watching season two they're working on season three which is great Mm -hmm. and in the rest of season two and all of season three we're going to get a lot of more a lot more um individual character arcs for all all four of the leads as well as more different pairings than we're used to out of them all so I, I was mentioning to a coworker that this show has had more character development than some entire runs of Star Trek shows. The entire mm-hmm. TNG run. Yes. And it's <laughs> only a season and a half in right now. Right. So. <laughs> and the episodes no. are shorter and the seasons are shorter. That's mm-hmm. true. They, they did uh, touch on that. It's like, what was up with that season finale last year? <laughs> Where it's like, yeah, we, we just, it's still Star Trek. And, you know, we do the things that Star Trek does, which is, well, by the way, we're going to kill off characters and we're going to have very dramatic moments. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but you're the funny Star Trek show. Yeah, but you're still Star Trek. It you're can be both. You can yep. totally do both. I mean, like, that question is the answer. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, the exact right phrase I want, but you, you get my, you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you're asking I, a question, but you already were given the answer when you, when you got there. Like, uh. The answer was in you all along. Oh. <laughs> yeah, um, you made along the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that's a good way to wrap the show. <laughs> the friendships about we made our along friendships. the way. <laughs> Hey, um, you guys are the friendships I made along the way. Nat, it's always awesome having you on. So you still have the delivery service, right? Obviously. You did. So the tapaches will show up on delivery probably early next week. Um, okay. Give Everybody should go to Barrio on Friday and get some if they want. Yeah, go to Barrio anyway, because that Mercado is amazing. You have so yes. many fantastic food options out there. Uh, yeah. Oh. So many great food options. And that little grocery mm. store uh, in the Mercado is amazing. Um, I don't know if she does it on Fridays, but you can Mer- check. Mercado. She will often sell like a just, you can buy just like Carnitas by the pound that she just keeps in the slow cooker behind the counter. So if the handwritten oh, yeah. signs up on that little market, just ask her to buy some. 
to buy something from her. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's so amazing. Good. Oh, I'm so hungry, you guys. Okay. Well, for, Matt, for thank you for joining us. Potatoes. It's been awesome, as always. Um, I think he froze thank up Thank you for again. having me, of course. Thanks for the help developing. Yeah, thank you. I hope I hope people awesome. enjoy it. It's, it's been really fun. Awesome. Yes, it was great. It literally yeah. has been has, has been one of my when goals. When it comes out, I'll, I'll you. mention it to you guys. Make sure you get plenty. Yay! Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. For well, loaning the name of the 400 rabbits to it as well. I mean, it's also <laughs> a distillery in Mexico, so I don't know how much we can. I can, you know. I mean, well, but I, that but that one is called Cuatrocientos Conejos, so. Yeah, so I know. But technically, it's different. It's also, fine. I don't You're think fine. you can trademark mythologies. It's a different country, anyway. There you go. Mm. You're fine. So stupid. There's no you such should. thing as international copyright law. Oh, we sold out by the time they find out about it. Yeah, that'll teach them. <laughs> if you could, Disney would have done it already. That's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, on that note, I'm Aaron Duran. <laughs> I'm Bina Rita. And I'm Cable Hashitani. Nat, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Hi, y'all. Thanks for having me. It's always a great time. Yeah. We will talk to everybody next week. Uh, insert catchphrase here. I'm huge. Recall Ted Wheeler. Yes. Oh, fuck that guy. All right, I'll see you guys on Friday. All right. I got my big potato waiting for me over there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bye.